Growing up, my brother and I fought like cats and dogs. We're pretty much opposites from each other. He's blonde hair, blue-eyed. He's broad-shouldered and taller. He works with his hands. I like to work with my head. He's smarter than I am, but don't tell him I admitted that to you. My brother is exceedingly creative in his thinking, and I am rational and linear thinking in how I do things. I chose a white-collar job. He chose a blue-collar job. We're opposite in so many different ways, and because of that, we fought all the time. I remember a period in our life where it was like a daily wrestling match over something new every day that mom had to break us up from. And that continued until the day where we stopped fighting and basically stopped talking to each other because we'd just given up fighting and just stopped talking. The early church had fights too. We hear in the Acts of the Apostles today that Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch and there are people who are saying that they're from the apostles teaching the Gentile Christians that they have to be circumcised in order to be Christians. And it says, the, the phrase, the very kind of slight phrase is, there was no small dissension among them. They fought. Sometimes in the early church it even came to fisticuffs. So much were they fighting for what they thought was right. And actually just after this passage from the Acts of the Apostles that we hear, Paul and Barnabas, who have been traveling together for a long time, spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, they actually break up because they disagree on how they're supposed to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And for our day and age now, how often do we see in so many different ways picking sides on whatever issue it is, that it seems like we're more polarized than ever. You pick a side and then we fight over who is right on whatever side that is. And I thought that this was kind of getting worse than it ever has. And then I was thinking yesterday, you know, I'm remembering stories from my grandpa where he said that they would just get into fights with the kids from the neighboring school because that was the Protestant school and this was the Catholic school. And they just had to fight because it was Catholics and Protestants. It's always been there, that fight between sides. Just a couple weeks ago was the March for Life in Edmonton, and I saw images of pro-choice protesters saying pretty nasty things to a seven-year-old boy who was there for the march. But then on the other side, sometimes from the pro-life side, there's people who bring out these graphic images of the consequences of abortion, like that's going to win over somebody from the pro-choice side. It's just picking sides. And when we pick sides, there's no winner. We just fight and fight and fight. So now that I've painted the dismal picture of always fighting, what do we do? What did the early church do when they had these disagreements of how they were supposed to live together? Because the problem that they were facing was you had Christianity that started out of Judaism. They just thought as a natural progression. Right? The apostles were all Jews who followed Jesus. But then Jesus said to go spread this gospel to everyone. 
And so they spread the gospel to those who were not Jewish, and they became Christian. And so the struggle was the Jews still followed the rules that were given to them in the commandments. The Gentiles didn't have that in their life. So were they required to follow those same rules as the Jews in order to be good Christians? That was the, that was the fight. So how did they deal with it? Well, first, Paul and Barnabas make their way back to Jerusalem to talk and have the debate with the apostles and the elders of the church. And they come together and they have this discussion. This is considered the first church council. So we've heard of the second Vatican council. Well, this was the council of Jerusalem, the very first time the church came together to discuss something that was at issue. And what did they do? They came up with a solution. Well, first they had the, dis the debate between Peter and Paul especially. They fought. And then they say, it seems good to us. They send a letter back to the community of Antioch in Syria. They say, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit that we should ask you for these things. So it says that they spent time in prayer reflecting on what God wanted in this situation. And then it tells us what they're asking of the Gentile Christians to do. It says that you should not eat anything that was offered to idols or anything, any blood or what is strangled or fornication. So what were they really asking them to do? Well, in order to live in harmony with the Jewish Christians, first, anything that's offered to idols. The Gentiles lived under Roman occupation, and pretty much any food that was publicly prepared was first offered to the Roman gods and then served. And so what this is asking the Gentile Christians to do is, you, you are not allowed to go out and eat in public anymore because you can't eat that food because it would scandalize your Jewish Christian brothers and sisters. And then not to eat any blood or what is strangled. The Romans would strangle an animal to death because it would keep the blood inside and it would be tastier. But for the Jews, blood was seen as the life source of the animal. So this is why Jewish people eat kosher without blood, because they don't want to take that life source in of another being. And so they're asking them not to eat the food that's prepared by all of their neighbors and people around them. And then with fornication, there was ritual unchastity that happened in Roman life. They're asking the Gentile Christians to make a real sacrifice in the way that they live their life for the sake of harmony. That they have to give up something, some things that are good in their life for the sake of coming together. Jesus points to this in what he's telling his apostles today in the gospel. That what does he say first? He says these words that we hear at every mass. My peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If we're gonna have those conversations that are difficult to have, where we have disagreements, we have to make sure that our hearts are not troubled or afraid. What does that mean? Well, if we have any unforgiveness in our heart, our hearts will be troubled. 
We might not consciously be aware of it, but it will affect the way that we are in relationship with other people. Whether that's our need to forgive someone or our need to ask for forgiveness from someone. If we carry that in our life, it will affect our relationships. And so any time that we come into disagreement, we'll have the need to protect ourselves from the other person. We have to resolve that in our hearts. This is what brings the peace that the world cannot give. And then from last week's gospel, with this same message from Jesus of how to love, no greater love is there than this, to lay down your life for a friend. It takes sacrifice. What are we willing to sacrifice to give up for the sake of that harmony with other people? What good thing are we willing to give up for the sake of being in relationship with the other person? Not that we compromise our values, but what good thing can we give up for the sake of that harmony? And then the third thing is recognizing we don't have to agree for it to be a good relationship. We don't have to win somebody over to our way of thinking. Because I think sometimes that's the way that we face disagreement. We try to outmatch them and outreason them so that they'll start to see the world the way we see it. But what does Jesus say at the beginning? Those who love me will follow my words and the Father will come and make his home with them. The way we look at things as Christians is that everything is always bigger than ourselves because the Spirit is always at work. So as much as the Holy Spirit is at work in our own life, we have to be able to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is as much present in that other person as with ourselves. And by doing that, we open ourselves up to the possibility of learning and being changed by the other person, and we give them the benefit of the doubt that there is good in what they're trying to tell us. We have to be willing to have those hard conversations, even if it doesn't come to a solution. Peace is possible without that solution happening. But in order to have those hard conversations, we have to be freed from that troubled heart which comes from that unforgiveness. We have to be willing to sacrifice something that is good for us for the sake of that relationship with the other person. And we have to be willing to see God's Spirit at work in the other person as much as in our own life. My brother and I, when we finally got to our mid-twenties, we decided that we would try and go play squash together once a week. And it was awkward at first. We didn't talk about much important, work, school. That was pretty much it. And it was really annoying because he kept beating me, so I silently kept hating him. But one day, he didn't have to run home to his wife. He had time after our squash game, so we went out for a drink together. And we finally had the conversation that we should have had years before, which is that we asked for forgiveness from each other for all the things that we had done to each other growing up. And that became a major turning point in our relationship because we were able to have that difficult conversation for the first time and to ask for that forgiveness for what caused tension between us. Some of it not our own fault, just the reality of living in a family, but some of it choices that we made towards each other growing up. 
Now I have a great relationship with my brother. I don't know why, because having a brother that's a priest must be a pain in the butt. <laughs> but we have a deep respect and understanding for each other. We're still very different, but we understand that the love that we can find as brothers together is something that's bigger than the differences that we have. So when it comes to our relationships within our own family, within other people, in our workplace, in the world, are we willing to have those difficult conversations even if it doesn't lead to a solution? Are we willing to ask and seek that forgiveness that we need? Are we willing to sacrifice something good for the sake of that relationship? And do we see God's spirit at work, which is always the spirit that strives for unity among each one of us? Mm -hmm.